It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. Yes, I'm Jonathan Sanborn. I love what I do. I get, I, I'm not going to lie. I love that I get to have a platform and get to reach out to some of the coolest people around the city, around the state, and even around the world. I get to call them and say, hey, let's hear about what you're doing and, and highlight them. So we're counter, counterculture is finding those people who've decided to go against, maybe against the cultural norms and are really helping to build, bring people together to building up in compassion and really building up our culture. And from time to time, as you know, well, usually once a month, we have a special called the Church in Low Places to highlight churches and burgeoning churches in inner cities and even around the world that are that we often don't get to hear about, where God is at work and doing great things. And so here we have in studio, uh, in our next part of the series, uh, Church in Low Places, we have Zach Can. Welcome, Zach. Thanks, John. Good to be here. It's I'm so glad you're here. Zach and I have been friends for, uh, what, 20? Oh, man. I mean, probably before I can remember. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember coming back from being overseas. You were in junior high, I think. I knew you're, we've known your family I forever. And, and, I'm, and he, this junior hire, who, by the way, he's, even in junior high, he's taller than me, just so, just so you get a visual here. Um, he just asked me questions for like an hour to ask me about my time away overseas and just and what my my trip was like and I'm like this guy is awesome. <laughs> He's way been mature beyond his years and I've just I followed his life and ministry for forever. Love his family and just uh, so this is a treat for me personally. So Zach just I've been um, is a church planter and Bible translator working in the mountains of Papua New Guinea. So he and his wife, Cassidy, and two boys, Jude and Oliver, have been living among some of the most remote people on the planet since 2015. It's been that long. Six, that's yeah. I mean, we moved to Papua New Guinea in 2014. 2014. And uh, then a year later, moved actually into a, into a tribe and yeah. been living with a really remote people group. So not everyone has a great map of where Papua New Guinea is. Where is Papua New Guinea? Yeah. No, when I first heard... Of Papua New Guinea, I didn't know where it was either. I thought maybe it was somewhere in Africa, but no, it's actually just off the northern coast of Australia. Okay, so between the northern coast of Australia and the equator, okay, just smack right there in the tropics. So, and that's and so it's is it's a whole island country, yeah. country, right? Well, it's not actually a whole island. Okay, so there's an island and it's split right down the middle. You have uh, what was Irian Jaya. Okay, it's just. Uh, Part of Malaysia, right? It's uh, Indonesia. Indonesia. Yeah, it's okay. the tail end of Indonesia. And then the other half of the island is Papua New Guinea. And there's some other islands scattered okay. off the coast. So, and as I understand, Papua New Guinea is, is considered, it's mostly a jungle remote, like, I don't remote isn't the right word, but everywhere seems remote when you're somewhere else. Yeah, right. But it's, tell me about what is Papua New Guinea like? Yeah, so Papua New Guinea is, uh, it's got a lot of different climates. I mean, it's mostly just tropical. Uh-huh. But they have a highlands region, which has a really high elevation, super cold. Uh, one of the tallest mountains in that region uh, is uh, is in the highland area. Okay. 
we're down more towards the coast where it is very tropical. We're in mountains that look like something off the scene of Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Nice. So, a lot of clouds <laughs> uh-huh. moving through, very tropical, lush trees. Okay. Rain almost every day. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So that okay, that gives a picture of Papua New Guinea. Just so, I, and I got a little off track here because I've already getting into questions. I'm, I know, I know, I'm super excited. I'm super interested in all this. But before we get into that, we love just to, so just to take out the remote Zach guy. We want to like play. We play this game called Fake News, and I have this incredible track record. I'm at least fifty percent right. Like I'm, I'm a coin toss. A billion of guess what is fake and what is not. I have incredible skills. Oh, right. Yeah. Incredible, incredible skills. My my viewer, my listeners just know this guy's got brain, a brain. Okay, yeah. good. And it sometimes works. Like All right, well, we'll see. Okay, so, so two things about yourself, and let me see which one's fake. All right, yeah, and both of these are related to Papua New Guinea. Okay, good, because I have old information on you, but I don't have anything there. Right, yeah, right. I was thinking <laughs> about that. You have, <laughs> I, I have you childhood have history with yes, me, yeah, I, so I have to be really careful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so one story is that I've had uh, rocks thrown at me. You've had rocks by thrown at people you. who were accusing me of stealing. Okay, in Papua New Guinea, that's one. Adults. Uh, these are adults. Okay, yeah, Ado- adults throwing rocks at you for stealing. Okay, for stealing. Yeah, the accusation was stealing. I didn't actually steal, John, but yeah, okay. rocks well, thrown. Okay, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll assess that. Okay, yeah. the second one would be I've had an arrow shot at me. On an accusation of practicing sorcery. Oh. Yeah. Which I also did not actually do. Okay. So I have to choose between the rocks for sorcery. I'm sorry. For arrow stealing. for sorcery. Arrow for sorcery, rocks for stealing. That's right. Okay. So, so I mean, what do you think? I, this is Papua New Guinea. I know. Yeah. I think, well, for I know either of those are plausible. Sure. Yeah. And so one of them might have been related to someone you know, and one act would happen to you. So I'm I'm learning this game a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. There I'm go. gonna say the you were th- had rocks thrown at you for stealing because I'm that I'm gonna say the arrow was fake news. Yeah, you are right. I'm right. Yes. Oh. So yeah, now skills. are you at? Did I bump you up to fifty five percent? Fifty five percent. Yeah. All right. Good. I think I have sixty eight shows. Okay. So I think I'm about yeah fifty five. That's about right. All right. <laughs> Good job, John. Okay. Yeah. So that what happened. You got – Yeah. So, uh, I mean, a lot of the Papua New Guineans, they don't necessarily – in our village, they don't know why we're there uh, entirely. I mean, we've right. told them we're here to bring God's word to you in your language, right. translate. Uh, but some of them are still like, man, what's in it for Zach? Right, and right. so, uh, <laughs> yeah, there have been guys who have spread rumors, Zach's here to take stuff from us. And, oh, okay. And then guys get drunk, and we've had a couple angry crowds outside our house. Oh, uh, okay. And, yeah, I've had a couple rocks thrown at me. Nice. Did they hit you? Uh, no, they did not. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably because they were drinking. They were drinking, so they yeah. missed. Because you're a big white guy. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh huh. Yep. So not not like an e- you know you're you're hard to miss in the sense that you're yeah a target right yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah I mean the sorcery one it is definitely like you said that yeah. that happens to people uh, usually Papua New Guineans uh, okay. they they look at me and they're like Zach's not even capable of sorcery he okay. doesn't understand What's our powers re- yeah right okay uh, but that's a really real thing they'll shoot arrows at one another and if they hit someone they're guilty. Uh, if they miss, then they're innocent. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'd be a lot, a lot easier than our lo- our lengthy legal system here, right? 
Yeah, probably not as just. <laughs> not as, but definitely not as just. That would be the speedy trial that we often idealize, which never happens. But yeah, <laughs> right. <funny. laughs> Let's try the old rock. Kind of goes back to the if they sink or swim in the well kind of thing. They were a witch, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, okay, you're a Phoenix boy. Yep. And you're growing up here. And then now you're in pop, the the. I mean, you couldn't say for a further trajectory in life. How did you end up in Papua New Guinea? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always had a passion for bringing God's word to whoever will listen to it. Right. And uh, I mean, you know, you and I have both traveled to many different places yeah. doing uh, that in with different strategies. Sure. Uh, when I met my wife, Cassidy, she was interested in Papua New Guinea. And that was the point where I'm like, where in the world is this place? Right. It just didn't register on right. anything. Uh, so I got a chance to go and visit. And uh, it's just a really remote place. And uh, when I kind of looked at uh, – I wanted to go to a place where the gospel is not being preached. Right. Where people don't have access to God's word. I mean, how are they going to know it's true? How are they going to call on the name of the Lord and be saved? Right. Uh, so – I was like, well, I could go to, I mean, the unreached peoples of the world are right. kind of either in hostile areas like Afghanistan or right. Iran uh, or even places like India. And and then you've got unreached people groups that are just remote. Right. So they're off the beaten path. You know, it's not like you can take a plane there. Right. Uh, and, I mean, where we live, there's no roads. Uh, the only way to get there is to take five different planes to Papua New Guinea Another small plane to an airstrip and then a helicopter into the village. Oh, my goodness. So, wow. It uh, it was remote. And uh, eventually my wife and I decided we're willing to go. Let's let's do it. Let's go to Papua New Guinea. And so then you like you randomly choose on a map where there's need or did you, was there something that got like kind of made it really clear that the, this area was the Finisterre. Yeah. Mountains? The Finisterre mountains. Finisterre mountains. Finisterre. It's uh from French Finisterre. So the ends of the earth. Ends of the earth. Okay. Uh, which has a nice ring to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, when we got there, we worked w- closely with other mission organizations that were already working there, mm-hmm. basically asking them where are the needs, like, where are you guys working? We don't want to overlap with you right. or Good. step on toes. Yeah. Like, where can we be of most service? And I met with some Papua New Guineans, too, who are believers, right. uh, who are from the Finisterre Mountain Range in Papua New Guinea. And I said, where do you guys see the needs? Like, what right. language groups are still untouched? Who's asking for missionaries? And so— So you're—no wa- one's, like—you're not forcing yourself in some place, like— No. I mean, in right. fact, most people want missionaries to come in. And it might not be for the right reasons. I think a right. lot of people wanted us to come in because they're right. like, hey— White guy with lots of stuff. Uh, maybe yeah. we'll end up getting some of it. You know, right. they've got a nice long term view. Right. Uh, eventually, right. he's going to have to leave this house behind, and, yeah, and we're, we're going to get, get it. Yeah. Uh, but they're very open. Yeah. To mach- I think some, in some sense, they realize that they need help. They right. feel like they're behind in the world. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of. We went to about five different language groups, and uh, three of them offered invitations to us. Interesting. And, we're not omnipresent, so right. we had to pick one. One of those three. Yeah. Huh. And so, okay, you, you've arrived, and you're, you're, you're in the capital. Port Mosby, right, is the cap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're in the capital, Port Mosby, and you're saying, God, lead us to where, but to where you want us to go. You choose one of these three, and now you just hop over there. It, I mean, what happens then? Yeah, so we, 
We went to Port Moresby only for a day. Really, we're based out of a town called Medang. Okay. So if you look at a Papua New Guinean map, a map of Papua New Guinea, it's up on the northern coast. Yeah. And uh, we were there. We knew we wanted to go to this particular mountain range even before leaving for Papua New Guinea. There's, yeah. there's 800 languages. By the way, when I stub my toe, I say Medang. Just so you know. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does have that. You yeah. Know, it's so normal to me now, but I forget how weird some of yeah, these names are. I know. Sound. Love it. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, there's 800 languages in Papua New Guinea. 800. 800. Over 800, actually. Yeah. They're okay. still finding them. Wow. Uh, Wycliffe does these like surveys and uh, oh, they find goodness. more all the time. But in our mountain range, there's 250. And uh, when we were sent out, kind of our group was just like, we should try to finish the Great Commission in this tiny corner of the world. There's right. 250 language groups. Uh, most of them are related. So we figured with about 15 teams or so, we could finish the Great Commission in that corner of the world. Because if you do, I could, knowing something a little bit about language translation and some of that, I understand. Like there's language groupings. Yes. Yeah. And language so, families, dialects. And yeah. so there's similarities like overlap and with grammar and dialects Absolutely. and Absolutely. That, that you don't have to like, yeah. Okay. No. No, that yep. makes sense. Well, that's a huge vision, though. That's a lot of still 250 yeah. for, in a in a. I know. Range. We've bit off such a tiny chunk of the, the, the planet, the yeah. globe, but uh, <laughs> it's still more than we can chew. Absolutely. Wow. And so you've you, – okay, I'm just – I'm trying to imagine the scene okay, and that you're landing in a helicopter in a village for the first time. Just tell me about – just a quick – something about that day. Yeah. So – the first time we went into our village, which is called Mawerero. Yeah. That's a little bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, speaking of weird names, you know, yes. Medang and Mawerero. Now you I have like those Medang two. better. Yeah. A little bit easier. <laughs> when, uh, we, uh, my coworker and I, we hiked in. So okay. we didn't take a helicopter. We just hiked through the mountains and yeah. kind of introduced our work to people. Yeah. They showed interest. So then we brought our families and we did flying on a helicopter. And uh, I mean – they're very welcoming people. Yeah. They're very hospitable. Uh, they they welcomed us right away. Super curious. Why are we here? Right. What have we come to do? Right. Uh, but they also are uh, a very proud people. Right. And and I don't mean that entirely negatively. Right. But they they do believe that they understand how their world works. How the world works. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're very interested in how can we be more developed like the outside world. But right. when it comes to actual matters of truth, right. they really do think they have the corner on the market. Right. And for them, they're mostly animists, okay. uh, meaning they believe that uh, spirits are just everywhere and they mm, are in charge. Yeah. And it, life is all about finding the balance between the spiritual and physical world. How do you keep the spirits at bay, keep them happy? And how do we stay safe? And Christianity has trickled through these sure. mountains, uh, a traditional form of it. Right. Uh, but it's just been syncretized, mixed with yeah. the – So what's the an example of – Oh, uh, by the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. I have in studio today Zach Can, learning about this amazing work that's happening in the Finisterre Mountains of Papua New Guinea and what it's like to start uh, – to. to translate the Bible and start a church in this remote, remote place. And so so this idea of the spirit world ruling all, this sort of the, it's everything spirit. Uh, how, it, what, give me an example of what that would look like. Sure. So uh, they 
Yeah, let me think of an example. There was one time I was hiking with some guys. We were heading to another village, and it's very mountainous where we are. I mean, really up and down. There's never a time where you're hiking level. Right. They're going up (laughs) or down. And we got down, and at the end of these mountains is usually a giant river. And in this river was a giant stone, and they were like, don't go anywhere near that stone. Right. And anything big or monstrous or seems like it's out of place, they designate some type of – spiritual power to it okay and they're like don't go over there we've had people go over there and touch that stone and then they get sick and they die and yes uh they believe that there are ancestral spirits that guard ground so if you go into someone else's property the spirit of that ground can make you sick and so anytime anyone gets sick it's it's spiritual there's always a reason it's never accidental it's not germs right no it's uh you did something wrong and then there's a big investigation to find out what was it so it give so now in, interesting. This is almost an academic question in some sense, but yeah, we come from a a materialistic scientific view, but we also have our Christian faith, which talks about the reality of spirits. Absolutely. So, was there anything that you've learned from going into this like over this extremely spirit? What something that stood out to you? Something you learned? Sure. I mean, really, my. Uh, one thing that I've just grown in is in my confidence in the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, they are so helpful, whether you're in America and people don't believe that Satan exists right. or that there are evil spirits. Right. Uh, which the Bible clearly says there are. Right. And it says our struggles not against flesh and blood. Right. But against these principalities right. and demons. Uh, and then to go over there where – they actually do believe in a spiritual world, but everything they believe about it is not right. Yeah. Uh, right. They believe that when people die, their spirits just kind of hover over their grave sites and okay. uh, cause problems here and there. And that's just not biblically true. Right, right. So it's so sweet to be able to take God's word and say, listen, you guys believe that there are spirits out there. And that's right. There right. are. Sure, sure. But not all the spirits you believe in are real. Yeah. We need to go back to the scriptures and study what does God say about who spirits are? Right. Uh, these fallen angels. Mm. Um, and let's believe what's true about these. So yeah. that's been a, a real confidence builder in the word. It has to have been. I mean, that, like, and because if you think that God gave his word and it's transcendent over all culture, it has relevance to every culture. Yeah. It applies everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there was ever a place on the planet where you might find a people group that is untouched by Western society. And so they're right. just good and they're doing everything right. Papua New Guinea would be the place to find them. But right. you go there and you're like, oh, these are just people. Yeah. They, they have the same struggles, the same sins, the same ways of thinking that you would find here in America. Do you use, I mean, as I've talked about, like people who've gone to other cultures, they look for some form of connection to their own belief system you know, the peace child idea. But sure. There, okay. Is yeah. there something within their belief system that you help that you could connect with to scriptures and telling the story of Christ or, or true or God? And tell, is there something? Yeah. Well, being a, so they didn't, when we arrived there, they didn't have a written language. Okay. We have since developed one for them and are teaching them to read. Wow. Uh, because of that, they're a very oral culture and they love telling stories. Uh, the Bible is a book of yeah. narratives. Narratives. Yeah. That has been so wonderful. Wow. And for them, they can they learn from narratives really well. Right. So as we're reading, this is how God created the world. This is where sin comes from, the curse. The story you know, of, right. They grow gardens on these mountains. 
they know what it's like to see thorns and thistles and have a hard life. Right. And by the sweat of their brow, they get their food. Right. I read Genesis. They're like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but here we are in Phoenix. It's actually harder to be re- relevant, yet in some ways it's almost more relevant from to a culture like an ag- agrarian culture than Absolutely. we have to sort of – Right. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, and in America, too, I have friends who hate their jobs. Yeah. And I'm like, you know why you hate your job? Genesis 3. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest challenge? I mean, you moved your whole family to a remote jungle area. What has been like the biggest challenge? Um, by far, the biggest challenge is understanding uh, the – the way that people in our village think, yeah, how they perceive the world, that for me is very difficult because it's not uh, – though they are people just like me, similar struggles. Right, right. They do think differently. Their, their lines of logic are not always how I would think them to be. Right. And so really learning to listen and to understand, oh, this is how they think. This is – where they, if they see something like this, or if they experience something like this, this becomes truth for them. Um, that takes a lot of time and patience. Yes. So living remote has its challenges. I mean, we have to fly in groceries on a helicopter, and wow, you know, th- there's 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 a, there's logistical challenges to living in the jungle. So you mean the the, the Costco and Port Mosby has like a little landing pad? Uh, no, no Costcos, <laughs> no Costcos. We have a we have a friend, uh, a logistics guy in. Medang, yeah, uh, that runs around to stores and gets us things that we order from him, and then he packs it up in boxes. A helicopter shows up, he loads it up, it flies into us. Wow, once every two months or so. So okay, every two months. Oh my goodness! So you have to really plan your life out, ration, and things like your, cra- you know, yeah, and and so you had to, in a sense, die to your a lot of your cravings. Oh yeah, and like and all. Oh my goodness! Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So you're like, I'm craving some orange chicken right now. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Or if you want it, it it has to be made from scratch. I mean, there's yeah. no going to Costco and buying a pre-made bag that you throw in the microwave. Right. right. Our, our solar panels don't even create enough power to yeah. generate a microwave. So, so, but if, so if your kids want chicken nuggets, like, like they don't get it. Uh, <laughs> w- well, we do make uh, chicken nuggets, but again, it's from scratch. They're, they're super delicious and yeah, okay. probably healthier than... What you would get elsewhere, but it takes all day. <laughs> I okay, so now I try to attach like how uh, the average person listening to this, like how can they relate or learn more to what you're doing? Why is it? Why is this important for us to hear about? That's a really good question. Um, I mean i I think it's it's good to know. I mean, if if there are believers who want to see the gospel go to the yeah. ends of the earth. I think it's good to realize there are people who still have not heard. Yeah. You know, here in the Western world, uh, one of the struggles we have is there's a lot of competing voices. Right. You've got people saying, this is true versus this is true. Here's how I interpret the Bible. Here's how I interpret it. Right. Yeah. It's uh, there you don't yeah. have that, but you also just don't have God's word at all. Yeah. Like enough. here, we actually, if you want to know what the Bible says, you can pick it up and read it in your own language. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, there, they can't. Right. And so how are they going to know what's true? And uh, anyone who has a passion for things like that, these places exist. Yeah. Uh, so that would be good to know. And then uh, for those who don't think they will ever go, uh, I would just 
hope that people feel blessed that they have God's word in their own language yeah. and uh, to read it. Yeah. Uh, take it up and read it. Uh, yeah. It is full of truth about this world and about ourselves, our condition, and ultimately about the greatest cure there is that yes. Jesus yeah. uh, shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, took our place. That is incredible news. And uh, and just as we we just have in the final two minutes, okay. how has been the reception, like the spiritual reception? Is there someone who said, "I believe what you're saying"? You've been there, yeah, six, you know, five, uh, yeah. six years, and and we took five years to learn the language, wow, uh, and the culture. I really wanted to make sure I could communicate clearly and right. and effectively. Uh, we started teaching the Bible in November. Uh, I taught through the Bible from Genesis through the Gospel. And at the end of that, there have been people who have said we believe. Not many. Right. But there have been people who have just been hungry. And we had one lady right off the bat. I don't even think I was finished yet. And she's like, oh, man, I used to believe that baptism saved me, that communion saved me, or my ancestral beliefs somehow helped me be right with God. And to just realize, oh, it's Jesus and what he did for me at the cross. That's so powerful. So exciting. Super exciting. Zach, this has been a great conversation. Thank you. I, I feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like I have another like three conversations in me that I want to talk to you about. So this Let's is, do this, it again this, sometime. This has been great. Thank you for taking time out of your life here. And so so glad to have you on the show here. What God is doing things around this world. We all need to know that. And and we just, Lord, it, we, his word is powerful and it needs to be taken around the to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And you're doing that. Thank you for sharing this incredible story, Zach. I appreciate your brother. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.